Welcome to the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kulmer. And well, my main message today, I guess, is to say that I hope you're surviving the winter concert season. It's definitely a hectic time for many, especially with school musicals and Christmas events. So I hope you're doing okay. At MTIS, we have been, as always, exploring the world of music education and international schooling, and we are excited to also be hosting a number of exclusive events for teachers in 2024 that I wanted to mention. We have the Big Gig Japan, hosted by Canadian Academy in Kobe at the end of January, and the Big Gig Bangkok which is back on the agenda for March. It was an amazing event last year and we're really excited to have the Bangkok, Thailand, wider Asian region community together in that place. We also have the popular live online world music pedagogy courses for the Asian, Middle Eastern and American time zones, three separate courses, which will run roughly from February through to May. So head to the MTIIS website, which is mtiis.co, for full info about these events. Okay, now on to the episode. Today I have Louisa Danmeri joining me on the podcast, and Louisa is the director of Whole School Music at the British School in Tokyo, Japan. This is my first guest on the show who is currently working at an international school in Japan, so it's always nice to explore a new context. Louisa, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've been an avid listener. I'm so excited to to join you, and I hope that I'm able to share some of my insights and hopefully be of help to some people. I'd like to start off somewhere a little bit different because uh, I did a bit of digging a bit of research mm-hmm. and uh, and I've, <laughs> I, I, <noticed>. <laughs> I just typed in your name which is always a good start and this thing called the celestial cello quartet came up can you tell us a bit about that it sounds really interesting yes I'm happy to tell you about that so celestial was uh, as an all-female cello quartet that I was in so this was in my in my 20s so I think the reason why it's perhaps relevant to my music journey as I feel that this was my gateway to, to finding music again. So just to give you a little bit of background information, like after, after finishing university, so I studied German and music at Sheffield, I just kind of gave up music entirely. Don't ask me why. We do silly things in our 20s. That was one of them. And so I ended up working uh, in an office, essentially doing various like office office job jobs. And um, I was in London and... I just remember, you know, walking through through London on my way to work and I'd see people with instruments and I'd get that gnawing feeling in my stomach, just thinking, what did I do? Why did I do that? You know, and it was just this feeling of like, well, that's it now. And it got to a point where just the gnawing feeling just got too much. And I thought, no, I have to find, I have to find music back again. So I, I dusted off the cello and um, started playing again, which was really difficult after all that time, you know, losing all that muscle memory and stuff. But it was something that I felt I had to do, I needed to do. And so I joined, uh, it was an amateur orchestra at that time called the Westminster Philharmonic. And I met some girls there who played in the, in the cello section. I just really hit it off. Just, you know, we were around the same age and we were all 
trying to get back into music in some way and and one of them said hey should we form a cello quartet and I was like yeah yeah why not let's do it and it just was kind of fun to begin with but then after a while you know we started getting pretty serious about this so um you know the rehearsal for me it, we used to rehearse in Kentish Town and it was the highlight of the week for me so I'd work full-time and we would go and do our rehearsals kind of practicing late until the evening and it was just it was just so wonderful and it was during that time with these girls playing music getting these gigs that I thought I have to get back to music I I just have to do this again in some way or, or form so you know we, we played lots of gigs together and at that time I was trying to plan my escape route back to music and um, that's when I I contacted um, uh, Islington and asked, so the educational authorities was asking them, how can I get involved in music? And that's when when the, the people there suggested, hey, have you ever thought about being a wider op, so wider opportunity music teacher? I, didn't, I never really thought about that before. I didn't really know what it was. So that was a, an initiative, like whole school instrumental teaching. So I popped along and saw what they were doing and was thinking, I could I could possibly do this and then spoke to my work and said is there any way that I could be given use my holiday days to to um, explore teaching and surprisingly they said yes and so I actually did some wider opportunities teaching for like the better part of a year and it was at that point that I decided that I'm going to jump in and do the PGCE full time so I really do feel that it was my time with Celestial that really helped formulate that 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 path, that find music again for me. So I, I look back at that time with with fondness. Can I ask a couple more things about the cello background and maybe celestial? I'm guessing you had a upbringing playing the cello. You started quite young and then sort of gave it away. Or how did that bit happen? Yeah. So <laughs> my path to finding the cello is it, quite funny actually. Um, I started playing the cello when I was nine. I actually played the piano beforehand, but I was self-taught. Like I was obsessed with classical music. Back then, they used to get this this magazine. I can't remember what on earth it was, but you would get a, a tape attached to it and it, it would be focused on a particular composer. And so my dad used to get these for me and I used to sit and listen to classical music and just loved it. You know, um, the headmaster was playing, I think it was Moonlight Sonata was a bit cliche, but you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, I have to do this. I have to play this. And, and so I got like a tiny little keyboard and started essentially teaching myself how to play the piano and was quite obsessed with it. And in primary school, there was the opportunity to learn an instrument. So I brought the letter back home to my dad. We were looking at these instruments and he said to me, what, what's, what's a cello? <laughs> I don't know. So he said, well, let's find out. Go and get one. So I did. And, you know, so I had my, my cello and was just then passed on my piano obsession to my cello and just just loved it from that point. And with Celestial, did you go on to sort of do recordings and things like that? Well, we actually got quite a few gigs. I remember our first, the first gig that we had, which was just so, it was wonderful. It was, so we were based uh, around North London, so Islington. So they have these pubs there, which are like theatre pubs. So it's really strange. You have these like beautiful pubs and around the back, you have these theatres where you have like concerts and plays and things like that. So we booked it out 
and we decided to do like a full program really varied pop music classical music we had some music that had been written for us so we're really leaning in on all of our musical friends to kind of do us some favors and um, we invited our friends and our colleagues and it was really really wonderful we absolutely loved it so at that point we thought okay right we're going to try and do a little bit more with this and really kind of market ourselves and you know what what can we play out from weddings to supporting like artists and things like that and it actually opened quite a few doors I think it just shows what a bit of persistence can do you know we one of the the great things that I remember we did is that we supported a singer called um, Sarah Jane Morris, who is a, a jazz singer in the UK. And she specifically wanted a cello orchestra to uh, accompany her. So we ended up doing a small tour with her in Italy and also some venues like around Bristol, Southampton, which was really, really wonderful. And considering that, you know, where we started it was just so great that we were able to get these these opportunities sounds really fun i'd love to explore that more but i'm thinking maybe we should head towards tokyo japan where you are now so fast forward then you're now in tokyo you mentioned about the pgce and that part of the journey too how did you get to international school teaching how did you get to where you are now what was your process i mean so once i finished my pgce I found a job um, in London. It was um, it was quite an unusual job in the sense that it was a full-time job, but it was split between a feeder primary school and a secondary school. And it was specifically string focused as well. So you're teaching curriculum uh, music, but you're also teaching the cello as well, which I, I felt like this job had been made specifically for me. And it also really helped set me up for my context now in terms of being able to take to teach across the the different key stages so I think it was it was really really helpful but I think going back also to that time I was still playing with Celestial at this point so I was still toying with the idea of like I still want to play music and you know trying to teach music full-time at the same time it was a little bit tricky and it got to a point where I decided you know I, I still want to try playing a little bit more so I decided to leave the secondary school I was still teaching at the primary school and then kind of taking on some other kind of wider ops jobs across London and it got to a point it was great fun I loved the experience but it got to a point where I was going from one side of London to the other so many jobs and it just became a little bit exhausting really and again it came to a point where I was just thinking right am I going to have to think about kind of settling down what what am I going to do I didn't quite know exactly what to do I was thinking of trying to find a full-time primary music teaching position but at that time it's actually it was really difficult to get a full-time primary music teaching job so I remember meeting up with my friend Victoria who I will always be grateful to so I sat down with Victoria and I was telling her about my dilemma if you could call it that and she just put it into, into my head, hey, have you ever thought of like just taking a break and just doing international teaching? And because her sister had just recently come back from a two year stint in China. And she said, you know, she just took a break. She went out there. She had a great time. She was able to like save up money for a deposit, come back and set herself up in London again. And it had, it had never 
really crossed my mind. I thought, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And that very same evening, I went back and I looked on the TES and I thought, okay, international music teaching jobs. And there were two. There was one in Germany and there was one in, in Tokyo. And I looked at the one in Tokyo, I thought, okay, like a full-time primary music teacher job. That looks great. Tokyo, a little bit far. But I thought, I'm still going to apply. I'm still going to apply. So I did. And yeah, that was the, the start of the, the journey, shall we say. I love how your friend said, maybe it was just the way you said it, but take a break and go overseas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really. I mean, something different, you know. Because <laughs> I think everyone, <laughs> no, because I think everyone listening is like, hang, hmm, I think we all thought it was going to be a break. <laughs> no, it's not, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? Because your your world just changes so much that maybe it, I mean, I certainly have, have always felt refreshed talking about international school teaching, even though it can be intense and hectic and all that sort of stuff that probably is in our home countries if we've moved from our home country to a new place. It's an interesting notion anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was, I always wanted, I think, the opportunity at some point in my life to really throw myself into a really, really different culture. There was, I still felt like there was still an adventure that was going to come, but I just didn't quite know in what, shape or form it would be so once she you know she sowed the seed in my head I was thinking okay well I I think that might be my my adventure so what's it like what's Tokyo like you're the first Japan guest on the show tell us what it's like I mean it's wonderful I mean I've been here for 10 years obviously I think it's wonderful but you know I I just wanted to set it up like you know I'm I'm from London and I you know when I came I I thought that London was the center of the universe so when I very first arrived, it was a huge culture shock. I mean, I also want to stress the fact that, you know, when I applied for the job, it was very much the job. Like I, I was thinking, this sounds great. This school is is where I want to be. The lady who interviewed me, when I spoke to her, the way that she spoke about music, I was like, I want to work for this woman. You know, just the way that music was valued. That was the thing that was really, really pulling me. I didn't really know too much about Japan, which is quite a, a risky thing to do. But, you know, I jumped in and when I arrived, it was a big culture shock, you know, and, I, and I'll be honest, it was difficult to begin with. If you think about that, I left everyone and everything that I knew behind, you know, I wasn't leaving London because I hated it, you know, coming back and just getting used to everything and starting again was was really quite difficult, but, you know, once I got over it and I, I just thought, okay, I've made a really, really big move. I need to commit to it. I need to throw myself in. There's no point in coming here and <laughs> wallowing because things aren't the same. You know, once I threw myself into it and was really proactive and, and I just started to absolutely love it. The things that I love about Japan, for example, we were recently at a conference, right? The Fabicia conference in, in, in Singapore. And coming back and I, I left my phone in the airport. In most places, most countries, that would be gone. But I, I knew that phone was coming back to me. It's <laughs> I think the only place that would ever happen is, is Japan. You know, there have been so many occasions where I've lost something and people hand it back to you. They chase after you. Hey, you've lost this. I really love that aspect of the culture. I love the sense of like social responsibility here. Like people don't litter. They take their rubbish with them. It's just... It's just very, very unique. And, you know, also thinking about now, you know, obviously my situation has changed massively to when I first arrived. You know, I'm a mother of two small children. And 
I just think it's a, a great place to raise children. It just feels really, really safe here. And I feel really happy raising a family here. That's great. How's your Japanese? Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've it's done, awful. you know, I've done 140 <laughs> days on Duolingo. I can say like Ocha and, you know, a few things. So I've got not much to uh, <laughs> go up against here. But yeah, how is it? Well, do you know what the funny thing is? I feel like I feel a bit silly saying this. When I very first arrived, I was so naive in, in the sense that I thought that, yeah, maybe two years I'll be fluent. And, you know, when I was speaking to, to people at the school, and I was like, oh, so do you speak Japanese yet? And they were like, oh, no. And I was thinking, you know, why can't they speak Japanese? How come they haven't got it yet? Now I know it's because it's incredibly difficult. And unless you are absolutely immersed in the in the culture, meaning that you're you're speaking it and you're hearing it, there's no way you're going to pick it up, especially in in a in a working situation where you're speaking English as well. So I have found it incredibly hard. However, I have not given up yet. Um, I'm still having lessons. One of the things that I've said to myself is that as long as I am in Japan, I will continue having lessons. I have to make that effort. So I'm still battling away. I'm able to express myself in very, very simple terms, but yeah, it's it's not where I want it to be. <laughs> Good on you. Good on you for persevering. Oh, it is a tricky language. And again, not that I know much about it, but yeah, three alphabets and yeah, all right? sorts of other stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. going on. <laughs> wow. So one of the other things, and some of the listeners might have seen this floating around, there's this new campus going on at BST. It looks pretty fancy. I got to say, it looks pretty cool. Typically Japanese in its, in its architecture and aesthetic. And uh, as I understand it, that's the new primary campus. Yeah. How's it been transitioning? I mean, you're director of music, but maybe you can speak for and with your primary music team. What's it been like transitioning to this new building in the middle of Tokyo, this incredible city? I mean, this 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 place is gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's right next to, to Tokyo Tower. You look out, but the sun streaming through the windows, this gorgeous, like, you know, vista upon of Tokyo is it's wonderful I mean I'm so happy for the primary music team coming from uh, the building that we had previously in Shibuya which was a lot smaller and just in terms of the facilities that we had they were quite limited for, for music and so of course that limits you in terms of what you were able to offer for extra curricular clubs also in terms of the lessons that we're able to give that our peripatetic teachers are able to give so now we're in this building we've got a suite of six practice studios we've got two dedicated music rooms there's an auditorium there there's also a sem an assembly hall and a big sports hall as well the larger uh, concerts and so on so it's it's been great because we've just been able to expand the program so much there's so much more on offer so i'm i'm really happy about it i mean i know I mainly on the up campus shower, which is for the secondary school. But since this campus has opened, I've been able to to start up a string program, which has been my dream for such a long time. But I wasn't able to do it at the other campus. So this is a, a string program for um, year one, teaching the the violin and the cello. And so it's this uh, this wonderful music program with a small group of string specialists and we've just started it and we're all really, really excited about this. And yeah, looking forward to where, where it will lead to. Great. So we have this mutual connection, right? And uh, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning his name, 
don't know if he's even going to listen to this, but we might see. Um, David James, I worked with David at Garden International School in Malaysia, and he's now the current deputy principal at BST. And when we were chatting, he mentioned to me that you've been helping drive some diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, DIJ initiatives at BST. And we haven't chatted about this at all. So I thought I'd just use the podcast as a space for this, if that's okay. What's the, what sort of stuff you've been doing? What's it look like? And how maybe has this been integrated, if at all, into music and the music department? Well, I can I can speak about this only in terms of, of what's happening in music. So basically, after the half term, the new framework and vision on DEI it will, will be shared with the school community. So we're going to find out, I'm going to find out too, exactly what this will entail. But just in terms of what I have been doing and the things that I've been driving and my team have been, have been driving in the music curriculum, I can share that with you. And obviously, this is something that's very important to me. I was involved with a particular project before I came to Tokyo, if you wouldn't mind me sharing this. Yeah, um, so It was a, a particular organisation I worked with called um, Kumba Youth Orchestra. And so this was really, really uh, important to me and perhaps one of the most like rewarding projects that I, I worked on as, as a teacher. So this particular organisation, it was supporting young people and their families and particularly from like African, Caribbean and Asian backgrounds who are normally underrepresented in, in classical music education. And so they recently had their their 10 year anniversary and one of their founders um, sent me their pictures of where they are now and their feedback, their thoughts, their reflections on how important this organization had been to them. And I think what I really loved about this organization as well, that it was really grassroots, you know, the women who were were starting it and pushing it, they all had full-time jobs and they had children who were involved in music. And they were there every week, you know, booking venues um, around um, London, trying to find workshops, trying to find concerts, trying to find sponsorship. And just the work that they were doing, I just felt that it was so important at the time. And just it really, the idea that, that representation is important. At that point, I just realized you know, how important it was. And, you know, certainly speaking from my own personal experience, you know, being perhaps the only brown person perhaps in a in an orchestra growing up going through university and and so on you know of course I notice it but it's really hard to aspire to something or to envisage yourself doing something if you don't see yourself or other people like you succeeding in that space so I think that having representation you know representing different cultures and making it accessible to to everybody allowing people to learn about different cultures different different music is so so important and it's something that I really wanted to to drive in the music department even though of course I understand that the context is completely different you know we can still continue working working towards this so in terms of the things that I've been doing specifically at BST Firstly, I think it's really, really important to acknowledge the home culture, the the music of of Japan. And it's important for all the students to be able to experience the music of Japan, to understand about it culturally, to experience it together. So, for example, in the primary school, we have a really strong taiko program that's been run for years. And this is something that I really wanted to expand into the, the secondary school. 
So a great thing that happened at the end of the last academic year was that the school was able to fund to pay for a whole set of taiko drums and this was funded by the parents through the annual fund and with this we were able to introduce taiko into the curriculum so when every student arrives in year seven the first thing they're going to do is a unit on taiko drumming so we've just actually completed that and me and my colleague we have had cpd with uh, a wonderful taiko teacher at bst and you know who who knew that we'd ever that i would ever be teaching taiko taiko drumming in japan but you know here i am it's important it's important for me to do that so that has been fantastic to include that within the curriculum and it's also open to the rest of the secondary school through a program that we have called BST Explore, which is like an elective program where students are able to, to choose things to study and explore outside of the curriculum. So Tycho is now an important part of our curriculum and it's something that is important that, that we should um, value. Other things that I've been thinking about is of course, how diverse is our curriculum? What are we offering? So the team and I, right at the start of the year, this is one of our focus points for the year, by the way, so we had a look at what we're doing in the curriculum and we're thinking, right, is it really varied? Are we exploring different cultures? You know, what resources are we doing? What are we showing? What do our displays look like? What music are we playing? At the moment, I'm working towards, um, we're going to have uh, an assembly linked to, to Black History Month, for example, and trying to, to set up some activities in the school, not just for students, but for the whole community. And I think that's really important. So, for example, we had a samba workshop, which is like a, a drop-in workshop for the students, so they can hear the samba music kind of permeating through the school. We are going to have a student and staff African drumming workshop that's going to happen the Monday we get back from half term. We have uh, a percussion specialist who's, who's, who will be running that for us. We're also going to have steel pan drumming workshops just for the parents to begin with. And I think that's really important. It's important to engage and enthuse the parents if we want to inspire the, the students as well. So I think that's really, really important to try and address, you know, how are we bringing this music to the community? So much there. I've got a couple of follow-up questions. Can you just, just to make sure we got it clear, was it Kumba Orchestra that you worked with in London? It was a Kumba Youth Orchestra. Can you just spell that out for the listeners? Just it's so K-U-U-M-B-A. Okay, that sounds really interesting. I'd love to look that up. And you're, you're saying it's still running and, and happening, obviously. It's wonderful. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if it's still running now, but we, we they certainly just had their 10-year anniversary. Yeah. So I think you can still find out some some information about it. I loved your point about representation is important. I think that's kind of a mic drop in itself. And I love how you framed your whole conversation in that. I want to ask about Tycho. You mentioned some CPD you had. And sorry, just to hone in on this one, but can you share who that was with? Was it someone in Tokyo that's providing the, the PD? I'm sure people will want to know. We have a wonderful Taiko teacher. Her name is, we call her Moko Sensei. And she has been with the school for years. She was she was there way before I, I was. And she, she actually teaches in a few of the international schools. Everybody knows her. Um, she's had such an impact upon the, the Taiko program um, at school. So yes, she we shared our, you know, our vision about having the Taiko program in the secondary school. She was totally on board. 
And she was able to give us some CPD sessions towards the end of the last academic year. And also she's the one who's running, we're doing the, the curriculum lessons. However, she's running the BST Explore program. So we're able to still come in and play with her and just get all of her fantastic knowledge and yeah, experience. Grab a few more ideas every week. <laughs> Good yeah, idea. absolutely. <laughs> You mentioned going through the curriculum with the team and looking at culture and, you know, displays and the curriculum. Did you use any specific resources, you know, as you explored the curriculum, did you then refer to any specific resources to make any changes? I haven't got any specific resources which are jumping out at me that I can quote for you. But I think it's, I do like to see displays that other schools see what they are doing just to you know also checking out TES as well I also subscribe to the uh, music teacher magazine as well so just being aware of what is going on you know back in the UK I'm very much aware of that and have tried to accumulate lots of lists of like resources and things to things to check but I can't specifically give you a, a specific one yeah cool and I'm imagining just the conversation is the best starting point you know everyone in your team contributing ideas looking at the curriculum for example and going we should change that we should try this we should do that and bringing their Absolutely. own context in right but the wonderful thing is as well as you know when I had these conversations with my team it was at the point I was saying, hey, I know this wonderful song that I did at this school and it worked really well. And hey, I've got this. Have you had a look at this? And, the, you know, that's when people start to get really creative and start thinking of all of these things. So having those those team meetings, I think that is certainly where I get most of the information for in terms of like resources and where we should go. Okay, that's really brilliant. I mean, there's so much in what you shared. Thank you for exploring that. And if people want to know more about what you've been doing around DI, are they okay to reach out to you and, and ask questions? Yeah, sure. Great. A couple more questions for you, if that's okay, because I didn't say this earlier in the intro or anything, but I was lucky enough to come and visit you guys last year. I was popping through Tokyo and bumped into David, who I mentioned earlier, and then we caught up at the music department. And as soon as I went up, this is the Showa campus that we spoke about earlier. As soon as I went up in the lift, I got out of the lift. And I was like, whoa, there's just a buzz happening here. There's, you know, there was instruments and kids and stuff just going on everywhere. And then we sat in your office and it was still buzzing. And there was like a practice room right there and kids practicing and coming through. It was just so, so buzzy. It was really cool. Any idea what creates that sense of buzz or energy in your department? Yeah, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Um, <laughs> I mean, I just like the idea that the music department is always open. It's a place where students, all students, not just the students who, who have decided to you know, take music at GCSE and A-level, that if you want to come and play the piano, you can come and do that. If you want to play a guitar, you can do that just as long as you put it away, clean up after yourself. That's no problem at all. But it, it's a place that where it's always open. And so music is always playing. And I think that always attracts more people to come. And yeah, just, just to have a really kind of open environment there in terms of, you know, anyone can play music. You, do, you know, you can pick up a guitar and learn how to play with this group, like now, if you want. I've just really wanted music to almost be, become the fabric of the school. Also think about things that we've tried to put in place. So aside from having our big formal kind of concerts, we're trying to make things more informal as well. 
So one thing that I've particularly enjoyed doing, we started this at the end of the last academic year, is starting these lunchtime concerts in the in the library. So we got an electric piano in the library and, and the library space is uh, with the mezzanine kind of going into into the the main reception so people as they enter the school they they hear this music and they'll come up and they'll sit down in a beanbag and even if it's just for five minutes it's just that kind of community feeling that you know anyone's welcome if you want to perform you can and if you play some wrong notes who cares it's kind of like that kind of safe environment and I think it's really important to have those kinds of musical opportunities as well as the the very kind of formal set concerts that we that we have annually and so is that just like mainly well you, you mentioned the electric piano is that mainly pianists that are typically practicing by themselves all the time and they never get to actually perform that are coming out and performing their little pieces or is it a range of instruments as well oh no we've had well we we'd had the, the samba workshop as part of that as well oh, so cool. but we had some people who came who, who have decided to sing they bring a backing track and they're all their accompanied piano we've had um, string players it's very varied and we want to we want to make it open to anyone you can come and play whatever you want and we've also opened it up to teachers so we've had some teachers come and play too which has been great Louisa this has been so good I would love to ask you my favorite question if that's all right and I think you've probably covered some decent stuff already but let's give it a go what do you think <laughs> what do you think makes a good international school music teacher? Hmm. I think it's the ability to be really malleable and open to change and to reinvent yourself when necessary. I mean, I think that the big difference between international teaching, maybe teaching back home, is that teaching internationally, it, it's so transient in terms of your colleagues and your, your students, your friends, the, the management, the curriculum, they're always changing. They're always shifting. And, you know, there might be a, a time, you know, where you're working in a team and you're working so well, everything's really, really great, but it's not going to last for a long time. It's going to change. And, and it's knowing that, you know, no matter what happens, that you are able to be malleable and kind of shift and move with that change. So I think that is quite important as, a, as an international music teacher. You mentioned transience and that, that could be quite difficult. Would you say that's possibly one of the biggest challenges for you as an international school music teacher? Well, actually, I have that in my notes, like also challenge. Yes, absolutely. That's the thing that I that I have found, you know, I've accepted it. It's, it's part of living and teaching here. But, you know, you just have to get on with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just the way it is. Yeah, fair enough. Any other any other big challenges you want to mention or small challenges about being an international school music teacher? I suppose one of the challenges at BST is that the, the secondary campus is part of a university campus too. So there are some challenges in terms of where to have your concerts and finding like venues and things like that. So you have to be really, really proactive in terms of like trying to find venues, trying to make connections. You know, you might find out that the concert that you've been planning for all year can't happen on this day. What are you going to do? That can be quite challenging. Mm. So it's trying to always connect with people and try and find out, okay, so what other venue can I have? Or can I envisage this concert perhaps in a different format? You know, those kinds of things. And that kind of links back to your malleable point 
as well about <laughs> what makes a good international school music teacher. Cool. I don't often ask that question about the challenges, but I think it's an interesting one. And it's funny how, yes, we're all in different contexts around the world, but often some of these challenges are quite similar. And your point just then about being flexible to just choose a different performance space because it's not available. That's one that probably resonates widely with the community. So I think that's a, that's a good one to mention. Louisa, I think we might leave it there. That was such an interesting exploration of your, your context, some of your background, and then what's happening um, for you and the team at BST. For those who don't know about the British School in Tokyo, it's worth just looking up, just doing a bit of a Google and checking out what, what goes on there. It's a really fascinating place. And if you've been to Tokyo and you know Shibuya and Shinjuku and Harajuku, some of these kind of like touristy areas, they're also really fun and cool. And that's kind of where the school's all situated. It's kind of in the mix, right? Yeah. It's a pretty fun place to, to live and work, I imagine. Is there anything you want to mention? Any thoughts, final questions, ideas before we wrap up? I suppose there was one thing that I was thinking about just in terms of I'm trying to be quite reflective over my last 10 years and thinking about where, how I'm going to go forward. And it's also it's thinking about being a facilitator as well as a teacher. How can I create opportunities for students to really take responsibility and ownership for what they want to do? So I, I think that this is an area that I'm definitely exploring and something that students in particular right now are doing. So for example, musical directing for the upcoming musical, a student wants to do this. And rather than thinking, oh, no, 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 it's, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. How can we make this happen? Another student who wants to, to do um, an inclusive concert for a children's hospice. Absolutely, that's the kind of thing that you need to be doing. So those are the kinds of things that I think are actually really important. So how can you be a good facilitator as well as a good teacher? I think that's a big focus for me. I love that idea. And I'd love to do a follow-up somewhere down the track and go, hey, how did that musical go? <laughs> I'll be sure to let you know for sure. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And again, if anyone has follow-up, please do reach out. We'll leave some kind of details somewhere in the show notes as well as links to a bunch of things that we've spoken about today thanks so much and good luck for the rest of the year thank you so much I've had a lot of fun speaking with you thank you for listening to this episode of the music teachers in international schools podcast listen to other episodes by visiting mtiis.com or learn more about our community on facebook by simply searching for music teachers in international schools if you know someone who you think I should get on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at chriskulma.com, C-H-R-I-S-K-O-E-L-M-A.com. See you next time.